promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 54. Save me, O God, by your name, and your might defend my cause. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen up against me, and the ruthless have sought my life, those who have no regard for God. Behold, God is my helper, and is the Lord who sustains my life. Render evil to those who spy on me, and your faithfulness destroy them. I will offer you a free will sacrifice and praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For you have rescued me from every trouble, and my eye looks down on my enemies. Amen. A reading from Ezekiel chapter 28. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. Say to the ruler of Tyre, this is what the Lord God says, your heart is proud and you have said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of gods in the heart of the sea. Yet you are a man, not a God, though you have regarded your heart as that of a God. Yes, you are wiser than Daniel. No secret is hidden from you. By your wisdom and understanding, you have acquired wealth for yourself. You have acquired gold and silver for your treasuries. By your great skill in trading, you have increased your wealth, but your heart has become proud because of your wealth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. These uh, sections, these chapters that we're looking at, specifically with these different uh, people groups. Uh, we're still in Tyre right now, but we're going to be done with Tyre and Sidon here. We're going to head into Egypt next week. Uh, but it is, um, I'm not taking the time to read the whole chapter. That's that's up for you to do because they are somewhat longer chapters. This one is 26 verses, uh, but you get the sense of it from the very, this very uh, beginning, the, the first five verses where God is speaking not to the people of Tyre anymore. He's speaking to the king. He's speaking to the prince. He's speaking to the one in charge. And there is uh, quite a large charge brought against this king, right? He says, your heart is proud uh, or, or, or that, that it is, it is um, too strong for you in a way. And you have said, and I love this, I am a God. I sit in the seat of gods in the heart of the sea. That, so he's going back to Genesis 3, right? In Genesis 3, that's what we say about ourselves. Here he's speaking to the leader, to the one who has benefited the most from all that Tyre and Sidon have done. Remember that Tyre was this trading post that just made piles of money, just piles and piles and piles of, of money. And it, I think in a way we can take this chapter and we can condemn West, the Western world, the, the world that is, um, is the most uh, comfortable, shall we say, uh, the world that has the most to lose if the stock market crashes again, the world that uh, you have uh, some of the most wealthy people in the world 
telling those of us who are not wealthy how we need to live, for instance. I'm, I don't want to get too political, but I, I always enjoy the the, the Sarah McLaughlin uh, sad eyes uh ASPCA commercials where you need to give a dollar a day to save a puppy or whatever. And then you take the time to look up her, her net worth. And it's something like a hundred million dollars. And you're like, uh, you could save every puppy in the world if you wanted to there, Sarah, but apparently you don't care because you got paid by the ASPCA to play your song and to be a spokesperson <laughs> or, or people like, uh, Leonardo, uh, DiCaprio telling us that we have to live a certain way to save the planet because of climate change, and yet he has uh, gigantic yachts and private planes and multiple homes all over the world, right? Well, here you have this king who's emblematic, a symbol of all that is wrong with Tyre. And it begins with, well, I'm a god. I'm awesome. And I, and I think that is the struggle of us here in the West, where as we become more comfortable, and I know this sermon, you've probably heard this sermon a billion times, and it's okay. But as we become more comfortable with our life, as we, as we become uh, uh, more uh, advantaged by, the, um, by just all of the, the stuff that we're able to accumulate. The fact that with a, a little push of a button on my phone, I can order anything I want to from Amazon. You know, the, the fact that now with a push of a button on the phone, I, I don't have the app, but you can do Grubhub or Uber Eats or whatever, and you can have any food delivered to you, not just pizza. It used to be that you had to look up the number or you'd keep the number on a post-it note by the phone and you'd call them. Or if you were really nuts, uh, you had the number for the pizza guy memorized and you'd call them, order pizza, and they would deliver it to you. And we thought that was like living large. Now you can do it with any restaurant in the, in the world, basically. Um, but having such advantages, having such abilities, and here you have this king being emblematic of all of that for us. He thinks he's God. He thinks he's immortal. He thinks that nothing is going to happen to him. And yet God has to say, no, you're, I have to remind you, you are vapor. You are dust. You are a man. You've been molded from the dirt by me and have the spirit breathed into you. You are no God. This, this necessary reminder to us that we are nothing. If you've ever noticed, and I was reminded of this just, you know, a couple of times over this last year or so, the last couple of years, uh, but um, we just lost Pee Wee Herman, right? Uh, the, the actor who played uh, Pee Wee Herman passed away, and he'd been suffering from cancer for, what was it, six years. Um, and he didn't want to come public with it. And I always sit here and go, well, I can understand that. He, he wants his private life to be his private life. He doesn't want to put it out there for all the world to see. He doesn't want to be criticized. I totally get all of that. But at the same time, I wonder with many of these celebrities, right? We don't, um, they don't want to be put out there at their weakest, mm -hmm at their most vulnerable, because as a celebrity, there's almost this sense of immortality there. There's a sense that they're going to live forever because they make videos or, or whatever the case may be, right? Um, and for, for the celebrities then, 
if they do show themselves to be weak and mortal, somehow it's going to downgrade their, uh, their value to the world. When it is oftentimes the celebrities that show themselves to be the most human, like Keanu Reeves doesn't really care about any of it. People love Keanu Reeves, not because he's, you know, an Oscar winning actor, although I really enjoy a lot of his movies. 47 Ronin. Very good. Uh, shout out to my friend Ryan who loves uh, John Wick. Um, but he, he's one who just shows his humanity as often as he can all the time to make sure that people know that he's an actual human being, right? Well, these other celebrities, they want to hide all of those things. They'll go and get Botox. They'll go and get plastic surgery. They'll hire a personal trainer and try and stay in the best shape of their lives that they possibly can be in, right? Because they're worried about wrinkles. They're worried about their mortality. And here God has to remind this king, you are a man, not a God. That that uh, things are not going to go well with you. He even pokes fun at him saying, oh, you think you're wiser than Daniel? Yeah, right. You're wise in certain things. You're, you're able to make money. But by your wisdom and understanding, he says, verse four, you have acquired wealth for yourself. You have acquired gold and silver for your treasuries. So he's wise, not in piety not in religiosity, not in, in godliness, not in humility, but he's wise in greed in a way. Your heart has become proud because of your wealth, he says in verse 5. Makes me reminds me of the rich young ruler, right? It's a dude who comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Well, number one, you don't do anything to inherit eternal life. You get put in the will by somebody who loves you, right? And then Jesus says, well, keep the commandments, and he says, which ones? And he lists them off. And he says, oh, I've done all this. And he says, okay, well, you just got one other thing you need to get rid of. Get rid of your gods. Serve the only God. Come follow me. You'll have treasures in heaven. And things will be good. And the guy leaves. Because he had made a God out of his wealth, right? He'd made a God out of his life. I wonder, church, what is it for you? What, what God is there in your life that you need to put to death? What God is there in your life that needs to be stolen by Jesus, that Jesus needs to replace? Hmm? I wonder. I wonder. Well, so then verses 6, uh, verses six through uh, 10, he spends quite a bit of time to say, uh, because you, you regard your heart as that of a God, I'm about to bring strangers against you, ruthless men from the nations, they will draw their swords against your magnificent wisdom and will pierce your splendor. They will bring you down to the pit and you will die a violent death in the heart of the sea because uh, your wealth and, and wisdom, they cannot save you, he's saying. He's saying, oh, you think you're a god? Well, try this on for size. I'm going to bring you down. Will you still say I am a god in the presence of those who slay you? Yet you will be only a man, not a god, in the hands of those who kill you. You know, this, this sense that this king would, you know, I, I can just picture the Babylonians come storming into his palace, right? And he says, don't you know who I am? And then they stab him, right? <laughs> that would be really bloody. But that don't you know who I am personality that all of us have in some way, shape or form. I catch myself with it all, all the time of thinking that I'm more cool than I really am even though I'm not cool at all, <laughs> even though I have no celebrity t status, I'm not wealthy, I'm not powerful, I'm none of that. 
How many of us can often get that way, though? Get frustrated that we're not recognized. That don't you know who I am? And yet here he is brought low. He is going to be killed. And then verses 11 through, uh, through 13 is interesting because it depicts him as being there at the beginning in the Garden of Eden. That he was, you know, he was at the very beginning. It's as, it's as though, like I said earlier, that we go back to Genesis 3 when he's saying, well, I'm a God. It's sort of this rehashing of what happens in Genesis 3, saying, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every kind of precious stone covered you, and he lists them. And it's interesting in the Septuagint, all the stones that are listed are the stones that are used to symbolize the tribes of, of Israel that are worn on this breastplate by the, by the high priest that your mountings were crafted in gold and they were prepared on the day you were created. You were anointed a guardian cherub for I had appointed you. The, the, the sense that he was there from the very beginning of time. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked among the fiery stones. And this, this picture, I, I, I picture him there at Sinai. The sense that saying that, that you, you understood the law right? You were there when I spoke first from my holy mountain. From the day you were created, you were blameless in your ways until wickedness was found in you, as though it was there all along. It just hadn't come forward yet. With Adam and Eve, the sin was there all along. It just needed that catalyst of the serpent to come and say, oh, you'll be like God. And they say, great, awesome. That's what I want. Well, here for the king of Tyre, it's the same thing. Things were going well with you until until that money started rolling in, until that gold started rolling in, until that power started rolling in. And then I am God. I wonder, church, how what is coming in to us and what is coming out of us? What gets us going along to, you know, things are, are going well until suddenly, boom, here comes the sin to come out of us, the wickedness. Then it goes on to say, through the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned, that they were doing whatever they could to get what they could get. And so I expelled you and disgraced from the mountain of God. I expelled you from my holy place. I expelled you from the place that I've set apart for my people. The sense that Tyre is not to be part of the people of God anymore, which is interesting because, like I said last week, Tyre had a very integral part of the life of, of the Jews helping build the temple and the palaces and all those things. Verse 17, I threw you down to the ground. I made you a spectacle before kings. I humbled you. We've talked about this. Humiliation, the humbling, the necessary work of God to bring us low that he might raise us up, that we are to take up that cross daily and follow him, that we are to be the last, not the first. We are supposed to be the least, not the greatest. Then... It goes on to say in verse 18 that he even profaned his own sanctuaries. He dishonored, he created as common for himself the places that were supposed to be holy and set apart, the sacred things that they set aside, even their most sacred things, whether they were idol worshipers or not, you even made those things worthless. So who, who could imagine how they would hold Yahweh, God of Israel, So I made fire come from within you, and it consumed you. 
that your own sins are going to come against you. I often wonder that about myself. When are my past sins going to catch up to me? That's why we have to cling to Christ, right? Because it is in Christ that all those past sins sins are dead, that Christ has put those to death on the cross. They're buried in the tomb, and he left them there when he rose again, That, that your whole past is gone, all that shame, all that disgrace, all those things that you think you need to fix on your own, all all the, the stuff that has already happened in your past that you can't change, that has harmed others, those things are gone. Why do we try to deny the fact that they existed, though? To make ourselves more haughty, instead we should remind ourselves of the price that has been paid to clean all that up, to scrub the hard drive clean of what it is that Christ has done in his blood. We have to to be able to acknowledge the reality of what it is that we've done to be the the, um, sinners that we are. And yet we have to also acknowledge what it is that Christ has done to make us the saints that we are in him, washed clean by him. Well, then we have a prophecy against Sidon. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, face Sidon and prophesy. And he says, look, I'm against you, Sidon. I will display my glory within you. They will know that I am the Lord. When I execute judgments against her and demonstrate my holiness through her, I will send a plague and basically saying, you know, you think you are the I am, but I am the I am. God says to them that I am the Lord. I'm going to do all these things just like he's doing to all the other nations. Sidon was the origin of Tyre. From what I understand, Sidon was the mother city and Tyre was sort of the daughter city and Tyre had become greater than Sidon. And here it's to bring Sidon down too, to say, don't think you're going to be safe either, Sidon. The house of Israel will no longer be hurt by prickly briars. This comes after the prophecy against Sidon. This is sort of an acknowledgement of what is happening with all these other cities, basically saying that, that God is going to remove the very things that cause us to sin. That's some of the prayers that we have to have, right? That God will remove from us the things that cause us to sin, that cause us to turn away from him, that he would protect us in that way, to move us away from the things that are going to pull us from him. Then I love the gospel here. This is what the Lord God says. Remember, he, he's, been, he's been telling them, you're going to go into exile. My temple is going to be destroyed. The city that you love, Jerusalem, is going to be destroyed. I'm going to remove you from the land. I'm going to take you somewhere else. You're going to be forced to worship other people's gods. You're, you're going to lose out on all the things that I've built for you. And then he says this, when I gather the house of Israel from the peoples where they are scattered, I will demonstrate my holiness through them in the sight of the nations, and they will live in their own land, which I gave to my servant Jacob. That is gospel, church. And that is what we have to cling to as the church. Is that even in the worst of times, in in which we let our sin get the better of us, that, that we think of ourselves as gods, that we think of ourselves as holier than thou, that we think of ourselves as awesome, that we allow the corruptness of the Western world to destroy us, to make us think that we deserve more than we do. God stands there to be able to say, even in your sin, even when I do come to punish you in some way someday, to discipline you, to, to uh, mortify your flesh. God says, I'm going to gather you in. He makes this promise to Israel and, and he makes promises us to us as well. That though your sins are scarlet, you shall be white as snow. 
church, allow God to, to purge you of these desires for other gods and instead allow him to cling to you and you to him. That is the calling here that we have from the downfall of Tyre and Sidon. We can't allow our desires for awesomeness in this life to get in the way of the awesomeness that is to come. That it is in Christ that he destroys one awesomeness to give us his greatness. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your Son who chose the path of suffering for the sake of the world. Humble us by his example. Point us to the path of obedience and give us strength to follow your commands through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Well, church, I pray that uh, things go well with you here as we come to the near the end of the summer. Uh, go ahead and rate us. Give us reviews. Let us know what you think so that more people can find our podcast. But until then, uh, go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.